So we're in Ephesians in chapter 4. We're going to finish what we started two weeks ago when I, uh, I, I changed it and taught on forgiveness last week. We're going to go back to the Spirit. We're going to go back to how we work with the Spirit and how you interact with the Holy Spirit and His personage. You know, He is a person. We are made in God's image. Your spirit is just like His. That you can, it's like you can have a wounded spirit. Did you know you can grieve God's spirit? Doesn't it say that in verse 30 of chapter 4? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve Him not. How are you going to do that? How, how could you do something? to a God who loves you so much. So, you know, when, when you think about sensitivity, I want you to really look at it this way. Someone who is aware of things and someone who is really on top of things and, and just, they're sensitive in all areas of life. They see, they hear, they know, they're aware, they're sensitive. You know, some people say some folks are too sensitive. Well, the, the Holy Spirit's very sensitive. He knows everything about us. And I keep going back to He is a person. And so you have to think about that when you're working with God and understanding the, uh, the three parts of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that each are a person and a man. So it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 to quench not the Spirit of God, and then here in, in chapter 4, verse 30, it says to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You can't, ex you know, to quench means to extinguish, basically. It does not mean you got your thirst quenched. No, it's the opposite. You gave none. You, did, you, you shut it off. You completely shut it down. And so, you know, we think about this. We can quench the very Spirit of God by extinguishing the fire that's, when our, that's within our spirit. When God is moving upon us and doing His work, He's comforting, He's teaching, He's leading, He's guiding, He's filling, He's blessing. And then something happens on our end. We draw back. We quit following. We go our way. And it, it quenches him out. And then you start wondering, what, how come I'm not like I used to be? Well, somehow the Spirit of God got quenched. And then it says to, that, to, the, that is grieved. The Holy Spirit is grieved. I think this is very uh, important because that means to bring distress upon him. You ever, to distress the very Spirit of God. And how are you going to do that? Bring such a heaviness and a sadness to him. Well, you're putting on the old man. That's what we've been talking. You know how you, you want to really grieve the Holy Spirit. Just go put your old man back on and try to carry him around and do that. You'll cut the spirit off. You won't only cut him off and quench him, you'll grieve him. He'll be really hurt. He'll be removed as a result by and some people just neglect, some people are disobedient. But sometimes we just not considering Him. So we're trying to get you to consider the very Spirit of God and trying to see that He is 
that we want to be personal with Him, we want to be intimate with Him, and it can be done. You know, I honestly think a lot of people don't even know how to walk in the Spirit. And I would like for you to do your best to learn how to do this. Romans 6 verse 12 says, what? Let not sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. You are allowed, what are we doing? We're letting sin reign, which is putting on the new man, and what's going to happen as a result of that is the Spirit of God is going to be quenched and grieved. So, uh, rather than, like we always say, we always hurt the ones we love. Rather than doing that, why don't we do the opposite? Why don't we learn to do right concerning the Holy Spirit? In the old days, they'd say, hey, you did right by me. You did me right. How about the Holy Spirit saying that to you? You really did me right. And, not on, and now, He's not grieved. He's pleased. And there's brought, there's brought a, a lightness. And it comes through interaction and contact when God speaks. You know, His Word is spirit and life. So when He speaks, that's the Spirit speaking to us with spiritual words, and we learn how to have a wonderful relationship with Him. So, rather than quenching and grieving, much rather, this is what you want to do. Look at chapter 5 of Ephesians. Verse 18. He's talking about before that, using your time wisely very wise concerning your time. But then he gets over to verse 18. He says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You want to quench the Spirit, be filled with wine. You can't have both. You can have, you know, in, in the old days, they called it spirits. Getting, you know, if you went down and drank a, a alcoholic beverages, you're partaking of spirits. You know why? Because it is evil spirits. And it's, it's, a, it's a contrast to the Holy Spirit. You're either filled with one type of spirit, but I, don't th I think in this particular case, he's saying you should not be drunk with anything other than the Holy Spirit. So when it says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means to make replete, to cram and level up. You know, there's a passage in Luke, I think it's chapter 5, that talks about giving. And it says, you know, when you give, what you want to do, uh, you give unto Him, and God will give back, right? And He said, what? Good measure? Shaking together? You know how it is. If, you, if you're filling up a, a container or something, and you're at the top, you can always find a little more, right? You shake it a little more, it sinks a little, you shake it and you fill it. And then, before you know it, it's running over, and God will give back to you, and it even says, by men. Men giving to your bosom, because you gave to God, and the Holy Spirit is moving His way back to fill you up. So you're getting a full portion of what we call leveling it up with the Holy Spirit. Notice, He said, hey, don't get drunk with wine, but you better get completely full of the Holy Spirit. And this is interesting, because he, mean, he basically means you ought to be fully furnished. 
Well, some people have such a furnished house that they say, hey, I can't put any more in there. I can't put one more piece of clothing in my closet or in my uh, dresser drawers. I am furnished. Well, God's saying you ought to be filled up and furnished by the Holy Spirit. You know what's interesting? I'm thinking about this when I was, anything you do with the flesh can be excess. Anything. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, anything you do in this body, you can do too much of it. If it's sleep, what's the easy one? Eat, talk, you can breathe too much even. You get, you know, it's just, there's an excess. Anything you do with the, you can sit down too much, you can stand up too much, you can walk too much. There's always an excess when it comes to your body and the flesh. But there's never an excess when it comes to the Spirit of God. Never. You can never get too much. It's interesting because it means completely full but ever expanding. So if you'll fill yourself with the Spirit of God, you'll find, you ever, uh, man, I've never been able to pull it. Where you eat a big meal, you say, I'm going to set it out for just a few minutes and get my and sec, second wind to hit it again. No, what I find myself doing is if I do that, I find myself, I excessed on the food, now I'm going to excess this on the resting. Too much. I'm not coming back for more. But with the Holy Spirit, you can, there's always a capacity for more. You can never be quenched. You can never be quenched in the filling of the Holy Spirit. You can never be grieved. Now, he, he can be grieved. You can never be grieved when the Holy Spirit is filling you. It can never be enough. It never be too much. It's interesting. It cannot happen. Excess is not even a possibility when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul, he said, pray for me a good supply of the Holy Spirit. I need a good supply, you know. And here, here's, a, here's a little thought on prayer. Supplications. What are supplications? You know, we're supposed to pray uh, with supplications. What are those? That's for supply. Hey, I need to be supplied on what? Holy Spirit, I need to pray. I need to pray for you. Mercy, grace, peace. We need a good supply of these things. We're supposed to be praying these things for people and get fully stocked, fully supplied. One of those is the Holy Spirit. Philippians 1.19 teaches us. You know, with the Holy Spirit, it's like you carry around a spiritual IV all the time. It's constantly moving through. It's never stagnant. It's always filling. Now, how do you do this? Well, it's interesting because when you look at what He teaches us, if you look at the next verse there, Philippians 5.19, it says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is good. One of the best ways to get spirit filled is through song. And it's always good to hear someone else sing, but this says for you to do it. Right? Speaking to yourselves. This is Ephesians 5.18, or 19. I'm sorry. It's the next verse from 5.18. Alright? What are we doing? You are singing to yourself spiritual songs, and God will fill you up. Now what does it say? And also, it means you, and by majoring on spiritual things. 
by giving thanks. The next verse, verse 20 says to give thanks. That's how you get spirit filled. I think there's also a real lacking in humanity of gratuity and thankfulness. You know, we just don't have it. And, and I don't think you can go overboard on that either, on thanking God and man for the things that they do for you. And remember this, yo, how do you do that? And what does the Bible say? And then the next verse, uh-oh, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another. So here we have submission and humility to one another. What that does is that kicks the Spirit in even stronger and you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And Bible and prayer finishes it off. If you do these things, you'll be full of the Spirit of God. And it's a beautiful thing. I'll come back to that in just a minute, but turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. These are what... So what do you want to do? You want to do something good? Let the Spirit of God fill you up. Be conscious of it. So I'm going to be spiritual. I'm going to sing the right songs. I'm going to speak the right words. I'm going to thank God for all that He's done for me and be of a very thankful spirit. And then... I'm going to dwell with man right and be submissive. And I'm going to have the Bible. It's just going to be a wonderful thing of spirit fullness. So here we are in Romans chapter 8 and then verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. What a verse. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God... They are the sons of God. So we find ourselves here seeing that a proof that you are one of the sons of God is you're spirit-led. You see that? You're led by the Spirit of God. That's how you know. And one of the biggest evidences of that is you have that instinct in you. It's called the Spirit of God in you crying, Abba, Father. You just have this natural tendency to cry out to your Heavenly Father when you're in need or when you're excited for all things. You know, it's like your father. You cry out to Dad when you need something or when you want to share something or, you want, or you're excited about something. You, it's a natural tendency. The Spirit of God in you proves I have it because I have a Heavenly Father that I can go to and it's natural. Very natural to go to Him. And I get led of the Spirit. So he said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So we'll talk about number two is to be led of the Spirit. First one is to be filled with the Spirit of God, Ephesians 5.18. Romans 8.13-14 tells us to be led of the Spirit of God, which basically, this is interesting, because this is when you're traversing through life. You're going forth. Your doings are under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's, see, let's show you something here. Look at Matthew chapter 4 real quick that has to do with this. And we learned from our, from our Savior, we learned from Jesus Christ Himself. When Jesus was baptized, it says the Spirit of God came down in a bodily presence like a dove, came down and lit upon Him, and actually He got a full measure of, of the Holy Spirit of God in Matthew chapter 3. And then, so he got his baptism, and it was basically his anointing for his ministries about to begin. What's the first thing he does? It says in 
chapter 4, Matthew, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. God led him through His Spirit out into the wilderness. Nobody naturally is going to go out into the, spirit, into the wilderness. Especially for 40 days and 40 nights. This is a Spirit-led adventure Jesus is going on. He's going through, I don't really like the terminology, rites of passage. He's, he's been, he's been uh, pro publicly proclaimed as the Lamb of God. Now he's been baptized. People actually saw the Holy Spirit come down upon him. All right, so they knew this man's special and he has the Spirit of God. What's next? I've got to be tempted. And I have to be tested and I have to be victorious. Forty days and forty nights out in the wilderness. It says the Spirit led him out there. He's following the Spirit. The Spirit's going in a place he would never naturally go alone on his own. But look over at Mark chapter 1. So that's Matthew chapter 4. When you look at Mark chapter 1, you see it said a different way. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. What's interesting about the book of Mark, since he's, it's the, uh, it, it, it depicts Jesus as the servant and the ox, the, the, the humble servant, and everything is immediately, straightway. I mean, he did not, he never hesitated. Jesus fully obeyed the Father. So you see things like this in verse 12, and immediately. I mean, he didn't have time to waste. Three and a half years is his ministry. And it says immediately the Spirit didn't lead him into the wilderness. What does it say? Driveth him into the wilderness. And there he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan. So in Matthew, you have him being led of the Spirit of God. In Mark, it's saying he's driven of the Spirit of God. Those are not the, exact, the same word by any means. Actually, one is he's out in front of me leading. The other one is he's behind me pushing. I'm being driven out there. Sometimes your flesh doesn't want to do that. How many times have you been spirit-led and you don't want, your flesh doesn't want to do this? You don't want to do it, but God's leading you out there and it's like you're getting pushed from behind. And you know He's out there in front of you, so He's leading you as He's pushing you. So you're getting pulled and you're getting pushed and you're in the middle and you're in a good place because you're not going to veer off when this happens. The Spirit of God is getting you and directing you, like I said, tra traversing through this world to the perfect spot to where Jesus could be tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights. I personally think He went all the way to Mount Sinai to do this. All the great ones did it. Moses did it. Moses did it twice. Elijah did it. Jesus did it. I think the Apostle Paul went. We have to talk about that someday. They all went out into Arabia, to the Arabian desert. It wasn't a, I don't believe it was the Judean wilderness like everybody says. He went to the, all these men had to be tested through a 40-day fast, and they received the, the, uh, the great truths of God. And Jesus overcame Satan for our souls while he was there. So you are yielded. I'm following him and I'm yielded, but I'm also conducted by the Spirit of God and it's dominating my life. This is, so God wants you to give full control to the Holy Spirit to lead and to push you where you need to go. That's, that's when, you, that's when you, uh, you're, you're in a place and you're getting led to do something like 
talk to, well, let's use the basic. Talk to somebody, give them a track, talk to somebody about the gospel. I'm being led to do that. But then it gets a little stronger. Somebody's pushing me to do it from behind. And we'd say, I'm under conviction, I should go do this. Well, because you, the, the, you were led and you, you slacked, now you're getting that feeling where I have to do this and I'm going to do it. How many times has that happened in your life? More than you can imagine if you ever do these things. So this comes by conscious acknowledgement of God, yielding to the Holy Spirit, seeing that He's leading you and seeing that there's a purpose behind where we're, what we're doing here. So this is all about uh, direction and destination. This is interesting because being led of the Spirit, it has to do with your walk. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But God doesn't worry too much about your fingerprints. You know, a man can nail you on everything with your fingerprints these days. Everybody has a different print. God looks at your feet print. He looks at the prints on the bottoms of your feet. You know, your heel has a, foot, a heel print. That's how God checks you out. He wants to know where you've been going. And this is found in Job 13, 27. He, Job even said it. He's got me. He checks the very prints of my heels as I'm walking through my life. God knows. You know, it's, God checks your... You think about this. If you could take a line from above the ground and look at your life, and you started out in bed this morning when you... When you do you... Crawl out of bed, fall out of bed, or roll out of bed? Or do you jump out of bed? There was a day when I used to jump out of bed. Now I just stay there. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, you know, you hit the floor, there's somebody tracking everywhere you go. All day long, till the, day, till the time you go back in and climb back in that bed again. You're He's got your tracks. You better be filled with the Spirit of God and then you are also led of the Spirit of God so that you'll know you took the right path all the day long. I've got to hasten here to finish this. Now let's turn over to Galatians chapter 5. You know, these are all the words you've heard your whole Christian life filled with the Spirit. Led of the Spirit. And this one is walking in the Spirit. Walk in Him. This is how you want to make Him happy. This is dealing with the Holy Spirit properly. Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what we try to do is, we try to reverse that, and we say we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh, then we're going to try to walk in the Spirit. Actually, if you'll do it the opposite way, You'll succeed. So he says to walk in the Spirit. Look at verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, there's a good one, we're living in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be uh, desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So now we have a walking in the Spirit. Now that means to tread all around with a full experience. You want to basically... You want to experience everything God wants you to see and experience in the, in the Spirit-filled life. It's all about experience. Your walk. 
your walk, how you experience the day in your life, go out basically and experience spirit-filled living. So you have being filled with the spirit. And you know, didn't, didn't God say, uh, well, Jesus actually said it. The God, God will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Now we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us the day we got saved. God set up residence and he is the Lord of our body, soul, and spirit at that point. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have him in there, but you can have more. Jesus had not the spirit by manner, by measure. And what I believe that means is there's seven spirits of God according to Isaiah 11. He had all seven portions of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had all. The full portion of the Spirit. That's why it came down in a bodily presence upon him. They actually saw it. We get portions of the Spirit. That's why some of us are very strong in some portions of the Spirit and we're weaker in other portions and other people are strong in that. It gives us an equality there, a balance with the church where we can help one another, but you can get full and you can be led and you can walk and you can gain in your spirit filled, in your spirit growth and get a stronger measure of the spirit. He said, if you asked him for an egg, he'd give you what? What's he gonna give you, a scorpion? That's not the father we serve, right? If you want bread, he's gonna give you a stone. I always look at it this way. If I really want, if I'm really begging and wanting to learn something from the Bible, I'm asking God for bread. Spirit-led bread. He's not going to give me a stony heart. He's going to give me what I want. He's going to give me the desires of my heart and teach me something out of His Word. If I'm asking for a fish, what's that? A soul. I want to win somebody to Christ. If I'm, if I'm asking for a fish, is He going to give you a serpent instead? Are you going to get somebody that's devil-possessed or what? No, I believe that God answers prayer. It's all about, but it's all based on the Holy Spirit of God moving and working upon us. Now look at, look at Galatians 6 and verse 8. There's one more. Verse 8, he says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You notice in almost all these, there's a contrast between flesh and spirit on every one of them. What does it say? But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Sowing to the Spirit. Now you can sow. Now what I like about sowing, you know, it means to ex extend and scatter. He's a farmer. They get the seed out. They get a lot of seed out. They get the field planted. A lot of sowing. Why? They're expecting a lot of reaping. They're going to sow hard. They're going to sow, and it basically means to extend it out, scatter the seed. But you know what's really amazing? It's with the future in mind. So this is all has sowing to the spirit has to do with future. I'm sowing something now. I'm going to reap down the line later. And I want to sow good in the spirit now, so that I can reap in the future according to God's timing, something wonderful is going to come back and it's called life, it said. Life everlasting is going to come back and hit me with a beautiful blessing. Why? I sowed with the future intent in mind. Not trying to get it now. 
I'm sowing to the Spirit now so I can reap in the future with eternity in mind. I think that's a wonderful thing. So think about that. When you live your life and your intent, you know, if you sow to the here and now, that's sowing to the flesh, basically. And you're not going to get anything from that. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap life everlasting. And it's spiritual and it's future and hidden. You know, I, I honestly believe God wants us to live heavenly minded. Why? That's future. Eternal spirit, eternal life minded. That's future. That's future. Reaping is future. Nobody ever sows now and reaps tomorrow. You sow when God brings it back on you. This is a one. Sometimes you're sowing something now through obedience and sowing to the Spirit. You may not reap it for 10 years. Hey, that's up to the Lord when to bring it back, right? And when to bring it in. So uh, uh, since we're running real low on time, let me just finish this up by saying it's personal with God. He knows you well. He knows every increment of your heart. He wants you to know Him the same way. So you can interact with His Spirit and be conscious of His person and His feelings. We don't want to hurt the feelings of God. You know what, though? We're too worried about Him hurting our feelings. Really. Be very aware of Him in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And consider Him fully. And what this will do is this will keep you wearing the new man. So here's a thought. I, I'm just going to give you some finishing up thoughts here. But in, the, in, in Psalm chapter 104 verse 15, you can look this up later. The Bible says God gives oil for men to partake of so his face will shine. It's one of the beauties of uh, healths of life. You're, actually some people believe you ought to drink olive oil and so you're, it'll put that shine. Y'all see it on mine? Shine on your... You see my, my forehead? Shining. You know what that's evident of? When God fills you with the Holy Spirit, people can see it. Your face shines. Your countenance is bright. We were talking about this yesterday. When, when Stephen got in the big debate with the men of Israel who were rejecting Christ, it said they looked at his face. And what did it look like? An angel. They saw his face. His soul full of the Spirit of God. Uh, this is uh, Acts chapter 6. His soul full of the Spirit. His face is shining. And it said they couldn't resist the Spirit and the wisdom by which he spake. They couldn't even resist it. So he gives them a long sermon. And instead of repenting, they push him out of town and they stone him to death. But he had the new man and you could see it. I've seen it in people many, many times in my life. You know they've got it. The Spirit's just shooting out of them. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Okay, let me give you a couple more things here. When you're praying, there's nowhere in the Bible that tells us to pray to the Holy Spirit. Okay? So since the Bible does not instruct us to pray to the Spirit of God, don't do it. There's only one place I know of in the whole Bible where someone prayed to Jesus. And that's, that's Stephen. 
He, he knelt down and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he died. Nowhere else in the Bible does, it, does anybody pray to Jesus the Son or the Holy Spirit, the third person of God. You pray to the Father. He's our Father. You have the Spirit in you crying out, Abba, Father. So you pray to the Father, Matthew 6, 9, our Father which art in heaven. And you can't do this unless you come in Jesus' name. Alright, so you go in the name of the Son. That's why we finish most of our prayers this way. Or, you know, or begin them. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So you do that. That's John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24 tells. Jesus actually said, do this in my name. And if you do this, God will grant it. But you pray and you go in by the Spirit. So if you'll please turn back over to Ephesians 2. We go back to Ephesians In verse 18, it says, For through Him, this is through Jesus Christ, okay? Through the Son, we both have access by one Spirit to who? To unto the Father. Did you know every time you're praying, you're dealing with the whole Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Every time you pray. It's beautiful. You're praying to the Father in Jesus' name, and that He gives you the access because the Bible says He allows you to come boldly to the throne of grace. But you do it through or by one Spirit. You be Spirit-led. You know, you, spirits relate to spirits, and spirits communicate with spirits. Souls communicate with souls. Bodies communicate with bodies. Well, if you want to communicate with God, the Father, who is a spirit, John 4 says, you better pray in spirit and in truth. So I say it again, when you go to pray, when you, really, I mean, you don't have to be too technical, but teach your kids this even. Our Heavenly Father, we're coming to you in Jesus' name by the Spirit of God. You'll get access. You'll get answers. I have three more minutes. And so, so much more to say. Don't Pray to the Spirit, pray to the Father, and ask Him for the Spirit. Okay? You can yield to the Spirit, you can be led to the Spirit, but you pray to your Heavenly Father. It's that whole, that, uh, I have an open access line to the Father, the throne room of God. There's no need to pray to anybody else. The Father in Heaven is doing Okay, so real quick, turn back to Romans chapter 8. We'll, we will finish this up. i just give you a couple little pointers here. Because he said in Romans 8, it's all about being led of the Spirit. How am I going to walk in the Spirit? How am I going to be led in the, flesh, uh, in the Spirit versus the flesh? You know, because honestly, you've probably done this. You probably went your whole day and realized, man, I lived according to the flesh the whole day. Why did I do that? You didn't have to. You didn't have to. You jump out of bed tomorrow and get your tracks, your footprints started just right. Amen? following the Spirit of God and be Spirit-led. So look what it says in, in chapter 8 and verse 5. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. See that? But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So here it tells you, if you want to be Spirit-led, you have to have your mind on the things of the Holy Spirit of God. You have to be minded, spiritually minded. 
all the things that deal with him and thinking about him and have him on my mind. You want to be spirit led? This is how you do it. You have this him on your mind all the time. You are mindful of the very spirit of God. All right. And the things of the spirit, it says, you might in mind of the things he likes and he is. Now look at verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So the second thing I want to say is if you want to be spirit led, realize you're in debt to do so. You owe God to do this. We're not debtors to live after the flesh. We're debtors to be spirit led. You owe God to do this. He's done everything for us. He sealed us with the very Holy Spirit of God, Ephesians 4.30, and you are sealed to the day of redemption all the way to the end. It's like a, it's like a package. It's not going to get opened up until you get the glory. And God will get you there, and you'll get to the right place. Amen? But realize, hey, I'm no longer indebted to live to this sorry flesh. It's, why, why? He says it's, you'll die if you do this. So number one, be mindful of the things of the Spirit. Number two, realize you're a debtor to the Spirit. And then number three, it, all, it goes all the way back to what we've been saying for about two months. Mortify and put off the old man. Put him off. You put the new man on. And you shall live in the Spirit. And you will walk in the Spirit. And you'll be led of the Spirit. And you'll be filled of the Spirit. And you'll be sowing of the Spirit, and you will reap life everlasting. That's the key. So when you get out of bed in the morning, don't jump out of bed. Don't roll out of bed and don't stay in bed. Sit there a minute and acknowledge God. And acknowledge the Spirit. Say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna, I want to be Spirit-led today. As my feet hit the ground, you're going to print me you're going to track me all the way through the day. May it be spirit walking, spirit led life all the way through. Help me to do this. I'm a debtor to do it. I will mind your spirit all the way. I'm not going to let the flesh take over. I'm going to mind the spirit all the day long. And I'm going to, when I walk over to the closet to decide what to wear, I've already thrown the old man away a long time ago. I'm going to put the new man on all day long. Amen. And you guess what? You'll finish the day right. You will finish the day right.